When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerzday, April 10th, 2023. On the show today, news, and yes, the whole Reedy Creek thing. Then in our main segment, Jim and I talk about the history of Let's Make a Deal and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at Walt Disney World. Let's get started by bringing in the man who asks why there's an antonym for antonym, but no synonym for synonym. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It's going well, Len. For those of you who don't know, synonym is a word that means the same as another word. I mean, for example, in the English language, the word begin, start, commence, and initiate are all synonyms of one another. Whereas mm-hmm. if we went with stall, that would be obstruct, impede, hinder, hamper, block, interrupt, hold up, hold back, stand in the way of, frustrate. You get the sense I'm stalling here, Len? Since we're turning this into a language corner, I heard something super interesting. When a word is both a noun and a verb, mm-hmm. the accent is on different parts of the word. So think about the word record and the word record. If it's a noun, record, mm-hmm. right? This is a mm-hmm. record player. If I'm doing what we're doing now with the show, we are recording it, right? So the accent is on the different syllable. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Wow, I did not know that. But once again, folks, I've learned something while we're doing the show. Hopefully you do the same. So Please, Call us Mr. Language Person. Mr. Language Person. <laughs> shout out to Dave Barry. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Jen Wiley, Hubert Timata, Andrew Six, and Mark Andrada. And longtime subscribers Jay Feely, John Brock, David Irish, and Wayne C. Jim, these are the entrepreneurs buying up the harmonious barges as scrap metal to make their own Las Vegas-style water-based nighttime show over at Disney Springs. The show will feature water screens, fireworks, and Disney music, plus an epic pirate battle every night between the barges, the floating cars at Boathouse, and the volcano at Rainforest Cafe. Look for this show, working title Melodious, to debut this fall. True story. Uh, Len, if this is not actually in the works. I, I guarantee you, by 4 o'clock the day that... Th- there, there's th- someone at Disney going like this. <laughs> And and sadly, that would work at at Disney Springs. It would totally work. I was thinking about this. When I was writing this, I was like, why? What's the bad part of this idea? I don't get it. Like, what is not feasible here? Like, it's completely feasible. Why is there a not, why is there not, Jim, a nighttime show on the water Mm -hmm. at Disney Springs? This is an idea. Well, again, think about the drone show. They could charge more for hotel rooms at, at Saratoga Springs. There we go. All right, Jim, let's do the news. And, folks, we've got plenty of news. Mm -hmm. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, Mm -hmm. trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, Jim, first big news. Mm -hmm. Disney announces the return of annual passes. Wow. April 13th for DVC members, April 20th for Mm -hmm. the general public. Mm Mm-hmm. 
first of all, I'm, I'm super happy that everyone gets their annual passes again. But Jim, I have to look at this and say, <laughs> it's clearly a sign that atten- attendance is down oh, yeah. at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Like I've heard insiders say mm-hmm. that total number of visitors is down about 25%. And this mm-hmm. is a strong indication of that. So hopefully things will bounce back there. Just so happy that they hear this is finally happening. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, especially DVC members, where it doesn't make sense to visit Walt Disney World if you can't get an annual pass. But I have to wonder, too, Jim, how many mm-hmm. um, how many DVC members have simply been selling or renting their points mm-hmm. because it didn't it wasn't cost effective for them to buy passes? And now, will this actually restrict the number of DVC rental deals? that are available. Like, will the price of DVC rental points go up now because DVC members can now use their points because they've got annual passes? That's going to be an interesting side effect to watch out wow. for. Wow. I hadn't even thought of that part of the algebra. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Other news, Jim. More good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Walt Disney World restaurants will be added to the Michelin Dining Guide for Florida mm-hmm. when that new edition is launched May 11th. So earlier this week, Michelin said Toledo, Tapas, Steakhouse, and Seafood, and Victorian Alberts will be on the list, but they didn't say what kind of rating they'd get. All right, so everyone knows Michelin for their star ratings, right, Jim? Mm-hmm. Right, really good restaurants get one, two, or three stars. It's all very prestigious. There's exactly one restaurant on Walt Disney World property with a Michelin star, and that's, uh, I believe it's Kappa at uh, Four Seasons? That sounds right. right. The other two levels of recognition for the Michelin Guide, um, something called Bib Gourmand, which means good cooking and good value. Mm-hmm. There are currently none of those in Walt Disney World right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're just getting listed in the Michelin Guide itself mm-hmm. is the first step for a lot of uh, restaurants. So there are currently uh, five of those. Uh, Ravello at the Four Seasons, California Grill, Citrico's, The Polite Pig, Downtown Disney, mm-hmm. and Morimoto Asia. Speaking of, of The Polite Pig, just this Sunday... Uh, as we were wrapping up the Star Wars uh, Galactic Star Cruiser event, I actually made us go by the Plight Pig and do... Oh, you- uh, well, again, since you were so enthusiastic about the vegetables there, we got the barbecued uh, Brussels sprouts and... Yeah. Trying to think of the, the other veggie we got, but it was literally, we did the three side dishes. In fact, got a, a burnt-end chili uh, again, a, for our friend Nathan. Oh, you went with Nate. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, burnt and chili is really good, too. Yeah. Just wonderful staff there. And a great, great bunch of people there. And what'd you think of the food? I enjoy it so much, not just for that it's fresh and, and great veggies, but let's yeah. be honest here. It, it's literally by the escalator, you know, into the Lime Garage. You know, it's just sort of, you don't have to really make a whole lot of effort to get to the Polite Pig. I know. It's it's right there at the bottom. Yeah, it's kind of it's perfect. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's really good mm-hmm. as well. All right. Uh, so, Jim, I'm going to go out on a limb here mm-hmm. and say that uh, Victorian Alberts gets two stars mm-hmm. from Michelin and that uh, Toledo gets a, a bib gourmand. That's, mm-hmm. my, uh, that's my guess there. Also, I'm a little surprised about Toledo because I think Haleo is better in every respect mm-hmm. and it's less expensive. So the only thing I can think of there is that uh, Michelin hasn't made it over there yet. Mm-hmm. Also, if Citrico's and VNA both make the list for 2023... Then two restaurants managed by Walt Disney World cast member Israel Perez in the past year will be recognized by Michelin. And I said for years that Israel by himself is worth three or four points in a dining survey. Jim, I don't know what Disney's paying this guy, but I'll bet that number is going up. (laughs) So congratulations to Israel on on that. Very cool. Very cool. Also, uh, other news this week, uh, Jim, Genie Plus sent new records for pricing this week, $35 per person per day, and still managed to sell out. 
But realistically, this is Easter week, right? It is. It is. But also, Jim, uh, we have uh, fewer annual pass holders in the park than we, than we will in a couple of weeks, right? True. True. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, people are, people are asking me all week, you know, what do you think the upper limit is for prices on Genie Plus? Mm-hmm. And it, it's got to be at least $45. Like, if you told me that over Halloween or Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or Christmas, we're going to see $45 Genie Plus, absolutely. And if you told me it was $50, I'd be like, yeah, I can totally see that as well. I know people are willing to pay it. My concern is people going home and talking about Talking that. about it, exactly. I mean, there's a reason why attendance is down 25%. Yeah. Right? So. <laughs> All right, Jim, the big news over the last week, though, is apparently something happened with the Reedy Creek Improvement District. A tiny thing. All right, let's let's work our way backwards here. Uh, Bob Iger said this week that Disney will invest $17 billion in Walt Disney World in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so I was asked by news organizations to comment on this. And my first question was, mm-hmm. well, what did they spend over the last 10 years for comparison? Mm-hmm. And nobody knew the answer, right? Mm-hmm. So... Disney doesn't break down its domestic parks, uh, Hmm. capital expenditures, by park. Mm -hmm. But over the last 10 years, here's what they spent on Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and Disney Cruise Line. That's all Mm -hmm. sort of like parks together. So Mm -hmm. over the last 10 years, they've averaged about $2.1 billion in spending per year between Disneyland, Walt Disney World, and DCL. And DCL has either one or two cruise ships. I think uh, Fantasy launched in 2012. They launched the Wish uh, last year, so there's mm-hmm. you know there's a billion, at least a billion dollars in there, you know for that, you know. But if you told me like of the you know, of the the two point one billion, mm-hmm. if you told me two thirds of that was Walt Disney World, I would totally believe that just because of the six theme parks that Disney has mm-hmm. domestically, two thirds of them are in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. So you know broadly speaking, if you told me sixty two thirds seventy percent of that spending on CapEx mm-hmm. uh, over the last 10 years was in Walt Disney World. Totally believe it. And that would work out to be about $1.4, $1.5 billion a year. Mm-hmm. And what did we get for that, Jim? What have we got over the last 10 years for an investment of $1.4 billion a year? So realistically, we're talking 2012, 2013. Yeah. That's the tail end, at least, of New Fantasyland, right? That project, right. the major expansion of the kingdom. Right, Seven Doors Mine Train, the second half of New Fantasyland, mm-hmm. Enchanted Tales with Belle, Be Our Guest Restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got Pandora. Yeah. Yeah. We got and... Toy Story Land. Mm-hmm. We got Galaxy's Edge, mm-hmm. which was a huge chunk of that. Oh, God, yeah. I've heard figures as high as $650 million each for the two Star Wars-themed lands on each coast. So Yeah, I mean, if you told me it was a billion, I would mm-hmm. believe a billion, too, okay. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We also got makeovers of some big rides. Frozen Ever After from Maelstrom, mm-hmm. Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway from Great Movie Ride, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We also got five new-ish hotels. Mm-hmm. We got the Riviera, which took mm-hmm. the place of part of um, Caribbean Beach. Grand Destino, which took part of uh, Coronado Springs. Mm-hmm. Grand Floridian Villas, which was all new. Mm-hmm. Poly Villas, which took over part of the Poly and new construction. All the stuff at, um, at Wilderness Lodge. Mm-hmm. And the Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah, and I, forgive me for pointing this out, but a lot of what you just mentioned was DVC inventory. Get it it was, it's true, yeah. Yeah. As our friend Mr. Schul says, you know, no tree grows to the sky. I just wonder where exactly the ceiling is for DVC on property. Well, don't forget, though, so things like the Riviera, they took mm-hmm. existing hotel rooms and converted them over. This is true. This right. Same true. thing with the Poly Villas, same mm-hmm. things with Copper Creek, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, and Grand Destino Tower also took, Grand Destino Tower was not DVC, but it took existing rooms it and did. made more rooms out of it. So, mm-hmm. plus, I mean, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the 10 year expansion plan for Disney World, it does include 13,000 new hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Okay. So, the question is, right, if, if you told me that Disney spent around 1.4, 1.5 billion a year over the last 10 years, and we got those things. Mm-hmm. What is $17 billion over the next 10 years going to get us, mm-hmm. right? So the first thing I, I thought of was, well, over 10 years, inflation is actually a thing you have to incorporate mm-hmm. into your calculation. So let's assume that inflation, uh, and you're all going to laugh here, let's assume that inflation is just going to be 4% <laughs> over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so $17 billion over 10 years would have the spending power of $14 billion today because of inflation, like $14.2 mm-hmm. billion. So with inflation, and you know, with how expensive Imagineering is for everything, mm-hmm. my guess, Jim, is we should expect about the same, maybe slightly less, mm-hmm. over the next 10 years than what we got over the last 10 years. And that means we should expect three new lands with six new rides, mm-hmm. a couple of major ride redos, mm-hmm. and four-ish hotel conversions, expansions, maybe one completely new hotel. Uh, remember, oh, we're finishing up Lighthouse Point, the second island yeah. for the yeah. cruise line. And also, I know they got the global dream for yeah. pennies. And they're going to have to put a billion dollars into that, right? Yeah. That's it, exactly. You know, and in fact, didn't we just learn that that Disney cruise line is now going to begin sailing out of Singapore? Singapore which, in yeah. 2025, Jim, I am on that first cruise. Okay, okay. Well, I, again, I, 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 we're packing the big bag with air holes because I'm coming. <laughs> I am super looking forward to that. And, you know, I've talked to Laurel about that. And she's like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to Singapore to get on a boat with that many people. I'm like, that is exactly why I want to get on that boat. Yeah. You know, just, just for the spectacle of it all. So, yeah, I, uh, just, yeah, I don't know how I, it's going to happen. but I definitely want to see, again, given how much of the global dream was supposed to be casino, you know, uh, what Disney does with right. that space and yeah. all, with all those people. Right. Yeah, I'm super excited to see it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you figure they've um, they've got one more DCL ship mm-hmm. besides the Global Dream plus the Global Dream. Mm-hmm. That's two billion right there, right? Mm-hmm. But they had the Fantasy and they had the Wish. Mm-hmm. They had some other refurbs, so it's going to work out about the same in terms of DCL expenditures, right? Okay. Ish. Okay. Somewhere there. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but that's what I think. Three new lanes, six new rides, a couple mm-hmm. of major ride redos. Tiana's is already uh, built into the schedule. Mm-hmm. Plus, Jim, don't forget, in that $17 billion that mm-hmm. Bob Iger has promised to spend, mm-hmm. they already pushed $700 million of that from this year to oh, the God, next fiscal right. year. Right, yeah. yeah. So. In fact, just this past Monday, we had the, the virtual shareholders meeting, and yeah. Iger literally said that Moana, the way of water, is the final phase of the redo or, or change enhancement of, of Epcot, as in it ends there? So no play pavilion, no spaceship Earth redo, no, noth- no um, festival pavilion. Are we? When he said that, Jim, I'm like, are we ever going to get grass in the middle of Epcot again? <laughs> like, what? This, are the walls permanent now? Is that is that it? Like, what? Like, you know. And this is where this is where I fault, you know, my friends at the Wall Street Journal for not following up and asking the important questions like, are we going to take down these walls? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, Jim, yep. all of this talk about investment mm-hmm. was in response to news that came out last week mm-hmm. when the new members of the Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board found out that they had, quote, lost control over everything other than to maintain the roads and maintain the infrastructure. <laughs> but first, Jim, every yep. show should begin with a round of self-congratulations. 
thanks to National Public Radio, who mentioned on last Saturday's All Things Considered show, mm -hmm. when talking about this whole thing, mm -hmm. that the Disney Dish podcast was the only member of the public to go to the first of these meetings back in January. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I, I try so hard. I, I DM, uh, Kai Rizdal every day, mm -hmm. Jim, just asking to be on the show and it never happens. Um, but to be mentioned by all things considered close enough. <laughs> and, and I just want to point out here that, that your beloved Laurel refers to Kai Rizdal as dreamy Kai Rizdal. Dreamy Kai Rizdal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a uh, Marketplace mug, uh, <laughs> but it's not mine. Laurel got it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Anyway, uh, so back on February 8th, mm -hmm. the old Reedy Creek Improvement District Board entered into a long-term contract mm -hmm. with Walt Disney Parks and Resorts for the following things. Mm -hmm. uh, use and operation of the Disney Springs parking garages, mm -hmm. uh, labor agreements for things like uh, emergency services, a set of restrictive covenants that vest virtually all of the new building approval process mm -hmm. with Disney instead of the district, mm -hmm. uh, a licensing agreement for other utilities, power systems, and the like, mm -hmm. and then agreements to jointly develop the comprehensive land plan and land development things that we talked about it on our earlier show. Mm -hmm. And let me point out, Jim, that at this February 8th meeting, there were members of the general public and the news media who mm -hmm. attended this meeting. There were four reporters from WESH, mm -hmm. four from WKMG, two from the Orlando Sentinel, one from WFTV, mm -hmm. one from the Orlando Business Journal, and one from Telemundo, Jim. So everyone was well represented. There you go. I, okay. I will note, Jim, mm -hmm. that nobody from the governor's office nor any future board member showed up for this meeting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me also point out that these agreements are contracts, not laws or regulations. Mm -hmm. And because the legislature didn't want state taxpayers to inherit Disney's $1 billion in bond debt when they dissolved Reedy Creek, the legislation that dissolved the old Reedy Creek said that any contracts or obligations in place with RCID mm -hmm. would be inherited by the new board. And this contract is part of that inheritance. Mm -hmm. And that means the new board can't pass new resolutions to void the agreement because one party to a contract can't change the contract unilaterally. It also changes the nature of most of the disputes from legislative disputes into contract law. Mm -hmm. And contract law is very well established, and it's specifically protected by Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution, also known as the Commerce Clause. Basically, it says that states can't pass laws impairing the obligation of contracts. Mm -hmm. And what we ha have now, Jim, is an obligation between the Central Florida Tourism District and Disney. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, courts are super reluctant to invalidate contracts, even ones that are one-sided. Mm -hmm. Essentially, the state would have to show one of six things, five to six things. The contract asks, you know, Reedy Creek or, you know, the State Tourism Board to do something illegal. I don't think it does. Mm -hmm. Disney forced the, uh, the Reedy Creek Improvement District under duress to agree to the contract. I don't think that happened. Mm -hmm. The contract terms are so one-sided that they, quote, shock the conscience. I don't think we re reached that level. Mm -hmm. um, Reedy Creek didn't get a chance to negotiate the contract, but they did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or that the Reedy Creek was mentally unfit to enter the contract. So none of those things no. are, are true. No. So, uh, so I think uh, you know, the state, if they try to invalidate this agreement, faces a very, very uphill battle. But let's go through it real quick and okay. talk about mm -hmm. what's, in the, what's in the agreement. So first of all, the development agreement which is the main part of this, mm -hmm. uh, mandates that uh, Reedy Creek, or, you know, its successor, will provide the support necessary for Disney to do the work in its long-term development plan. Mm -hmm. That is, 
once this contract was signed, mm-hmm. there's nothing that the new board can do to stop anything in the long-term development plan. Mm-hmm. It also commits the Reedy Creek Improvement District and its successors to specific capital improvement projects. And Jim, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a couple of these because I don't think anyone has pointed this out yet, but it actually puts the new board on the hook for hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. in development. Okay. Another interesting thing about the agreement, it commits Reedy Creek to getting Disney's approval for any new work that it does. And this basically inverts the old approval process. Mm -hmm. So any construction work or any work that um, Reedy Creek does or the new board does has to meet the quality, Mm -hmm. architectural features, design, and general aesthetic appearance of what's in place now. And Disney gets to say whether that's true. This is handcuffs on handcuffs. Oh, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Riddy Creek can't use the Disney name, characters, or anything related to the parks for promotional material, Mm -hmm. so they can't uh, sell Mm T-shirts or postcards or anything like that. The thing that I love, and this is what the lawyers, Mm -hmm. everybody latched onto this part. I think it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Um, The agreement lasts for 21 years after the death of the last living descendant of King Charles III, Mm -hmm. or if Disney doesn't own any property within 10 miles of Riddy Creek. So this is called the uh, the perpetuity clause um. in contract law. And, the, and every lawyer that, that texted me said, Disney got it right, but nobody ever gets this right when they put it into contracts, right? But Disney got it right. The thing, the other second thing they said mm-hmm. is, if you're a lawyer mm-hmm. and you want to tell the other side's lawyers to go perform an impossible sex act on themselves. There we go you insert something like this into, <laughs> into, the, into the clause. Like, I've done this and you can't do anything about it, right? Yeah. But Jim, here's what I love. There's a couple of sections about this contract where if you really read it, you're like, oh, this is just genius. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of them is the severability clause, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And we've heard of instances in the past where major U.S. legislation mm-hmm gets invalidated because somebody finds one thing wrong with it. So in a, you know, in a 200-page or 300-page law like the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. right, there have been arguments made that like this one section mm-hmm. is invalid, therefore the entire law is invalid. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And actually, the Affordable Care Act did not have a severability clause, mm-hmm. which is one of its problems. So people put in this thing called severability. And basically what it says is, if any part of this law or agreement mm-hmm. is declared invalid. Here's what we do next. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Disney's is beautiful mm-hmm. because it's a really well-written severability clause and it says this, if any clause or provision of this declaration is illegal, invalid or unenforceable under applicable present or future laws, the remainder of the document shall not be affected mm-hmm. and shall continue in full force and effect in lieu of each clause or provision of this declaration, which is illegal, invalid, or unenforceable, mm-hmm. there shall be added, as part of this declaration, a clause or provision as nearly identical as may be possible and as may be legal, valid, and enforceable. <laughs> and that's brilliant because it says, if something here is declared unenforceable, mm-hmm. the next closest legal thing takes its place. So not only does it say that the document survives, mm-hmm. but it survives and the intent mm-hmm. survives. Len, I have never seen such <laughs> an artfully written bear trap in my life. Yeah, I fo- everyone focused on the, the King Charles thing. I'm like, look at that severability yeah. clause. That is a thing of beauty. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
All right, so a couple of other things. Uh, prohibited uses, so it, uh, the agreement mm-hmm. binds Reedy Creek and its successors mm-hmm. as to what they can cannot build. Mm-hmm. So they can't build housing. They can't build other theme parks or <laughs> en- entertainment venues. They also can't build anything over four stories tall, Jim. <laughs> it, it's the usual stuff. But, like, you can't build strip clubs. You can't build, like... <laughs> Mining, like copper mining, is specifically prohibited, which you would expect, right? The way this is written, I, th- I don't think they can go to Home Depot and buy a shed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I, I likened it to a super restrictive HOA company. Oh, God, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I live in Celebration. I am super familiar with this. Okay. Mm-hmm. It also binds Reedy Creek, as we said, mm-hmm. to going along with Disney's um, development plan, mm-hmm. the comprehensive long term plan. Mm-hmm. And so that specifically says, that over the next 10 years, Disney can add 14,000 hotel rooms, mm-hmm. 150,000 square feet of office space, a million square feet of retail and restaurant space, one major theme park, and two minor theme parks. And now Reedy Creek is committed to not only to doing that, mm-hmm. but it specifically says that Reedy Creek can't pass any future mm-hmm. legislation or resolution mm-hmm. that prevents this from happening. So there's a moratoria clause, Mm -hmm. and it says this, no moratorium, ordinance, resolution, or other land development regulation Mm -hmm. or limitation on the rate, time, or sequencing of the development of the project shall apply to or govern the development of the project in accordance with the master development program during this term, Mm -hmm. which means that Reedy Creek can't pass something in the future that says, Mm -hmm. well, I know we agreed to this, but we're going to slow it down this way. Mm can't do it. And then mm-hmm. there's a further assurances clause mm-hmm. that says each of the parties agrees to do, execute, acknowledge, and deliver, mm-hmm. or cause to be done, executed, acknowledged, and delivered. All such further acts and assurances shall be reasonably requested by the other party in order to carry out the intent of this agreement and give effect thereto. Mm-hmm. Which means Disney's saying, if we miss something here, mm-hmm. you agree to do whatever legislative thing you need to do to make it happen. <laughs> like, if we missed anything, mm-hmm. we're going to tell you about it, and you're going to have to do it. Yeah. All right. The thing, though, Jim, that I don't think is getting enough attention, mm-hmm. and I want to hear your part of it, your input on this. Mm-hmm. Have you looked at how much road work Reedy Creek is now committed to do? <sighs> okay. Let, let, me, let, let me put this in perspective. Mm-hmm. Over the next couple of years, mm-hmm. Reedy Creek is committed to spending around $24 million a year mm-hmm. in road work. Right, you're right, road maintenance, right? And you and I actually went over we did. some of the new flyover stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so they've been public. working on, mm-hmm. right, they've been working on Floridian Way mm-hmm. and some flyovers, right? $24 million mm-hmm. a year to do all that stuff on average, right? Okay. Fiscal year 2022, 23, 24, mm-hmm. $24 million a year on average. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fiscal years 25, 26, and 27, mm-hmm. Reedy Creek is somehow committed to $250 million in road work, Jim. An increase of 500% per year in roads. No one's reporting on this, Jim. But my question is, is what is $250 million in road work? Mm-hmm. Okay, so they actually break this out, mm-hmm. right, into projects. All right, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, they're going to spend $250 million mm-hmm. to expand Western Way and Buena Vista Drive. Mm-hmm. My first question, Jim, is why? <laughs> You're connecting 429 to basically the area around Coronado Springs. 
It's a Flamingo Court, or what is the Fl- name of Flamingo Crossing. Flamingo Crossing. Well, well, think about it. You and I were just standing at the edge of what used to be Crossroads, and all of yeah. all of that is gone. And those various fast foods, that retail, all that has to go somewhere. And we're already seeing quite a bit of that finally uh, popping up at Flamingo Crossing. Two hundred and fifty million dollars, Jim. Well. I mean, that, you're selling a lot of churros to make up for $250 million. <laughs> that road you road, are. Right? That you are. Uh, yeah, so I, I posed this to a couple of people, and they're like, well, you know, a lot of cast members are coming in from 429. Mm-hmm. Maybe Disney wants to help with their commute. I'm like, the same Disney corporation that laid off 28,000 people and cut off health care during a pandemic? <laughs> they don't care about the commute of cast members. Okay. Let me tell you right now, okay. they're not spending $250 million mm-hmm. to shorten the drive of cast members. They're getting something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for $250 million. What are they getting, though? I don't know. The other thing mm-hmm. is they're spending around $60 million mm-hmm. on Buena Vista Drive Interchange 5 by the Disney Springs Corridor. Mm-hmm. And they're spending another $121 million on World Drive North. If you look at how much time and effort has already been plowed into that section yeah. of World Drive, it's like, okay, what other issue needs to be addressed here? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so in, in two projects alone, mm-hmm. the expansion of Western Way mm-hmm. and then the, the realignment of Vista Way to connect to Buena Vista Drive, mm-hmm. they're spending $300 million, mm-hmm. which $300 million is like two-thirds of the entire RCID road budget for the next five years. Where do they, why? What are they getting for that? And I don't know yet, but I think that's the next thing to investigate. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, all of this goes down, and then the state finds out about this at the uh, at the uh, at the end of February, mm-hmm. and it becomes public in the last couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the new board members, Ron Perry, says uh, this essentially makes Disney the government. Mm-hmm. The board loses, for practical purposes, the majority of its ability to do anything beyond maintain the roads and maintain basic infrastructure. And when I read that, Jim, my first question was, what? Ron, beyond basic roads and infrastructure, did you think the board was supposed to do? Yeah. And, and we all know the answer, right? We, the, the board thought that they were going to withhold approval of Disney World to do certain things in order to like change the movies mm-hmm. that Disney makes. And that was never going to happen. No, right? no. You, you mentioned the February 27th date. That's the day that Ron DeSantis signs the bill. And the very next day, February 28th, is when his book, The Courage to Be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival, goes on sale Mm -hmm. around the country. So they were Mm -hmm. distracted because this was largely about sign that bill so I have something Mm -hmm. to talk about when I go off on my book tour. And he got blindsided. He got played. He didn't get blindsided, Jim. It was There were public announcements that this was going to happen. And this is what I tell people, mm-hmm. right? So I, I tell people this all the time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, you can get outsmarted. Like, if you say, look, Disney's just got smarter lawyers than the state of Florida has. Mm-hmm. Like, I would believe that, okay. right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that nobody showed up for these meetings other than a couple members of the public and a bunch of reporters mm-hmm. means that the other side got outworked. Mm-hmm. And I can forgive being outsmarted. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's always somebody smarter than you. Yeah. But you get out works, you got no one to blame but yourself. No, that's it exactly. No one to blame but yourself. Disney's response when the members of the board and governor began complaining <laughs> about it is like, 
We did everything by hey, Florida sunshine <laughs> laws. Florida sunshine laws. Go, you know, hey, we published them. Look, people came, right? That's right. In fact, I heard actually uh, that the fact that, you know, I went to one of the meetings mm-hmm. was actually a, a thing like, look, members of the public came. Mm-hmm. They asked questions. We answered those questions yep. in public. Mm-hmm. Like anyone could have come, right? Yeah. That that was, you know, so you're welcome, Disney. <sighs> So the, uh, the governor said, among other things, mm-hmm. that the new agreement was illegal because the lack of consideration, mm-hmm. the delegation of legislative authority to a private corporation, mm-hmm. and the restriction of the board's ability mm-hmm. to make legislative decisions rendered it invalid. Mm-hmm. But there is consideration, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, Jim, the district is named mm-hmm. the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District. Mm-hmm. Disney's committing to a decades-long master plan mm-hmm. to spend tens of billions of dollars mm-hmm. to increase tourism and tourism revenue in the district. That's what the district gets, Mm -hmm. more tourists and more tourist money. In return, Mm -hmm. Disney gets to ensure that the development that happens in the district Mm -hmm. complements the investments Disney's already made. It's pretty clear what both sides are getting. So I don't understand the consideration thing there at all. Mm -hmm. Likewise, Universal actually sits in its own district, Mm -hmm. and so does SeaWorld. So it's absolutely normal for private companies to to sit in special districts. In fact, Mm -hmm. if you talk about like the delegation of legislative authority to private corporation, Mm The Wilton Drive Improvement District, which is in Broward County, mm-hmm. whose charter is to improve Wilson Drive, has seven board members. Six of them mm-hmm. own land or business uh, uh, businesses in the district itself and have a say on the district. So you can't tell me yeah. that this is unique. Also, I've read and searched the agreement multiple times. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything that delegates legislative authority to Disney mm-hmm. or restricts the ability of the board to make legislative decisions. Mm-hmm. But just in case that was an issue, mm-hmm. Florida law specifically encourages this kind of agreement. So if you read Florida Statute 163.3171, subpart 4, Mm -hmm. it says, local governments may enter into agreements with each other and with a landowner, developer, or government agency as may be necessary or desirable Mm -hmm. to effectuate the provisions and purposes of the various Florida statutes for special uh, districts. It's the legislature's intent Mm -hmm. that joint agreements entered into under the authority of the section be liberally broadly and flexibly construed to facilitate intergovernmental cooperation Mm -hmm. between cities and counties and to encourage planning in advance of, what, Jim? Jurisdictional changes. (laughs) Which is saying, Mm -hmm. hey, if you think things are going to change, Mm -hmm. you should enter into agreements (laughs) to make sure that things get developed. I'm reading this, I'm like, this is exactly what the law says they should do. Okay. Yeah. Looping back to the shareholders meeting and Bob Iger's comments at the start of that, Ron DeSantis has been hitting the there's a new sheriff in town button pretty hard the latter part of this winter. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, everyone was talking about Bob Iger's comments at the shareholders meeting where Bob is famous for being able to read the room. And yeah. What he said, that we came here when this was a swamp and built this. Yeah. And $17 billion is going to be invested in, in the state and, you know, how many Disney employees work in Florida. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They also committed to adding 13,000 new employees. There we go. And as suave and as smooth as Bob was, he wasn't also afraid to sort of lay down a cudgel to the effect of, yeah. we view what went on here as retaliation and anti-business. Oh, yeah. No, he was pretty clear about it. Yeah. 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 And so it's one of these things from Governor DeSantis' side of the fence. What do you do now? I mean, yeah. the two bad choices that are currently in front of, of Ron DeSantis to the effect of, 
if you opt to, in fact, retaliate, you were spending Florida's money on attorneys because your feelings were hurt and you were embarrassed. Yeah. So they, they hired they hired four law firms that built something like eight hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. And I mean that that adds up. Yeah, that that it does. But on the other hand, if you opt to do nothing and you pursue you, the, the Republican nomination, at some point you are gonna have to stand on stage with somebody stage. else. Stage and someone's going to say Mickey Mouse beat you. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the- and and you were too lazy to go to the meeting where it happened. Yeah. That's going to be the thing. Yeah. yeah, so I don't I don't expect I don't expect that to uh, no. to happen. No. I expect that there'll be there'll be another round of this. Yeah. So I don't want you to have to to name names, but you got the heads up to attend this meeting. The uh, the person who gave me the heads up says uh, as soon as I uh, as soon as I said that he's like you know you're going to get subpoenaed by this DeSantis investigation board right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, he's like, let me just say for the record. And then he, he in the text, mm-hmm. uh, released a, a, a string of expletives mm-hmm. about the governor. And I'm like, and so I was like, so what you're saying here is, mm-hmm. and I repeated back to him what he said, just because we know it's going to get you know, read into a court record at some point. And then he's like, yes, I mean this. And I was like, hey, I noticed you didn't put a comma between these two words. Did you mean to put a comma? <laughs> I will say this though, this is funny. Uh, so, you know, going back to uh, you know Bob Iger, Iger's point, I was doing a Zoom interview mm-hmm. with one of the with a TV station in Florida, mm-hmm. and the, one of the questions that they asked was, if Disney wasn't in Central Florida, what would Central Florida look like? And I was like, Troy, let me just be clear here, mm-hmm. you would be an anchor in Ann Arbor, and I'd be somewhere in Ohio. <laughs> like none of us would be here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this TV station wouldn't be here. The viewers wouldn't be here. Yeah. None of this would be happening right now. <laughs> Nancy and I actually went over. Our, our friend Angelo was, was house sitting in Lake Nona, so we, we got over there. And what? Oh, you went over to Nona, yeah. And, and what was fascinating was Lake Nona, as developed as it is, and it gives off very much a, a celebration vibe. Still yeah. has great swaths of open property where there are oh, cattle yeah. grazing. So it was one of these things where it's like, you know, it was so strange to get. The future and the past of Central Florida side by side. All in one. I mean, just, yeah. you know, that, that again. Central Florida for how many years was just put the cattle out and graze and we'll collect them in a couple of months to, you know, for beef or whatever. So, Which is funny because like, like Lake Nona from Celebration where I live mm-hmm. is 19 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Celebration is, I mean, the, you know, centrally planned community, mm-hmm. you know, super restrictive HOA covenants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 19 minutes away are cows. There you go. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us about the history of Let's Make a Deal Mm -hmm. and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire at Walt Disney World. This episode is sponsored by Better Sleep. How many times have you been lying in bed and had this conversation with yourself? If I go to sleep now, I can get at least four hours of rest. I mean, three hours. Okay, two hours. Let's face it, sometimes it's just hard to turn your brain off. You have all these thoughts racing through your head, which then prevent you from getting the rest that you really need. And boy, when that happens, you pay for it the next morning. I'm talking about brain fog, not to mention difficulty concentrating. Did I mention the part about brain fog already? I forget. If this is something you've been experiencing, well, why not try one of the most positively reviewed apps in the history of the Apple Store? And that is Better Sleep. With the Better Sleep app, you can access a range of smart features that can then help you sleep faster, deeper, and for longer. 
These features include over 200 soothing sounds, likewise breathing exercises and bedtime stories. Me personally, I find that listening to better sleep selection of binaural beats really helps me out when I've got too much going on upstairs. Look, we all know that high-quality sleep is vital to mental well-being and physical health. So why not try the award-winning app that's been downloaded over 55 million times? Better Sleep is backed by sleep experts in science, and it's been named Apple's App of the Day over 65 times now. Look, when you sleep better, you feel better. Improve your quality of life in as little as one week. Download Better Sleep from your App Store or Google Play. That's Better Sleep on the App Store or Google Play. We thank them for sponsoring today's show. It's spring cleaning time, people. That time of year when you're supposed to clear away all of that clutter that somehow accumulated over the winter months. And no, I'm not talking about those Super Mario Brother movie Happy Meal toys that you acquired back in December and January. That still makes no sense to me, by the way. Why did McDonald's offer those Happy Meal toys back then when the Super Mario Brothers movie wouldn't even arrive in theaters till early April? No, what I'm talking about today is virtual clutter. Like, for example, those online subscriptions that once upon a time you signed up for and then somehow forgot. Care to guess how much that may be costing you on a monthly basis? Most Americans think that they're only spending around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is a lot closer to $200 a month. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month on subscriptions, maybe it's time you signed up for Rocket Money. Rocket Money is this personal finance app that finds and then cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and then helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And if there's any that you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel them for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorizes your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. This actually happened to Nancy and myself when we were down in Florida this past month. Rocket Money made us aware of a fluky financial situation and using this app, while we were on the road, mind you, just using our phones, we were able to speedily get our arms around that situation. And did I mention that over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 every year? So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash DisneyDish. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash DisneyDish. We thank them for sponsoring today's episode. We have an anniversary of sorts coming up, right? April 10th, right? We do. 22 years ago today, a fleet of armored cars were rolling through the streets of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Michael Esner was getting paid? <laughs> well, I, I went the other way with it. You know, the defective. Okay, no, they weren't collecting those $35 lightning lane fees, all right? You know, oh, so, okay, all right. During our Easter week. Uh, but rather, these armored cars were carrying Regis Philbin and Mickey Mouse, who were driving to the site of that theme park's newest attraction, who wants to be a millionaire? Play it. This was the Imagineers attempting to cash in on a worldwide phenomenon. That game show had originally launched in the UK three years earlier, and by 1999, yep. ABC had acquired the broadcast rights. August of that same year, sort of as a trial balloon, dead end of summer, uh, they did a yeah. two-week run of this game show in prime time with Philbin, uh, who at that point was hosting the uh, Live with Regis and Kelly daytime talk show. And 
Who Wants to Be a Millionaire scored so high in the ratings that ABC brought it back in prime, prime time just three months later, and it did so well during the crucial November 1999 sweeps period. And starting in 2000, Disney-owned television network began airing episodes of Millionaire three, oh, four, sometimes five nights a week. Len, oh yeah, you couldn't you couldn't avoid Millionaire. Oh no, like no. it was it was on like every time. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I tell the story? Okay, so here's my analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember when BET first came on the air? Yeah. Okay. I I loved BET when it came on mm-hmm, the air because mm-hmm. there was nothing else like it. Yep. And mm-hmm. and one of the one of the hosts of BET mm-hmm. was Donnie Simpson. Oh yeah. And Donnie Simpson was on that damn channel. <laughs> honestly, God, I, uh, this was me. I was I was young back then. I honestly thought he owned the station. <laughs> And and that he lived in the station and did because, like he would be there in the morning as I was getting ready for school, yep. like and he would be like, all right, here's what's gonna happen today. And then at the end of the night, mm-hmm. like 11 p.m., he's showing Houdini videos, right right when I go to bed, yep. and I wake up in the morning and he's there again. I'm like, this is this is like that. Regis Philbin was on oh yeah ABC all the time. Yeah, no, it, it, also shout out to Donnie. What Simpson. I pictured is literally there was a cot next to the camera and they would just shake him. You know, it's like Regis. Yeah, exactly. Regis Donnie, get him. <laughs> we're back on the exactly. air. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, anyway, given that we're talking about the Walt Disney Company here, which when it had a hit on television, and remember folks, this is the company that, you know, Davy Crockett, Zorro, even Baby Grogu from The Mandalorian, right. immediately looks for new ways to cash in this phenomenon. So the question again, what do we do with- Synergy. Yeah. What do we do with Millionaire in the Parks? You know, any way okay. we can turn this hit game show into something that guests can do at, say, uh, Hollywood Studios or at California Adventure. And Imagineer said, sure, we'll just do what we did with Let's Make a Deal with the Studios back in 1990. Now, did you ever get to do Let's Make a Deal at, at, at Disney Am Jam? No, I don't even remember this, Jim. This was an attraction that was presented several times daily in the old Soundstage 1 starting in mid-1990 through January of 91. I was going to say, yeah, yeah I, this, none of this sounds familiar. Okay, go ahead. And, well, remember, this was also during the time when MGM was supposed to be a working studio and, and the idea mm. that guests would take the backstage tour and look in through that glassed-in corridor at movies being shot or TV uh, being produced. And uh, it opens in May of 1989, and Disney learns the hard way that there's not a lot of film and television that's willing to to fly down to Florida. And even even though these are brand new state-of-the-art studios, and to be honest, Disney did pivot to the Disney Channel because each of the various Disney divisions is its own profit center. It wasn't a question of, okay, Disney MGM will cut Disney Channel a break on the price. It's like, no. No, No, we're going to charge you, we're going to charge you retail rates. There we go. And so that's that's how our business unit. That's it, exactly. I get the fact that they're, they're, you know, I get the appeal of sound studios, sound stages in Florida. Mm-hmm. What, what Disney missed was that the talent lives in L.A. and New yeah, York. they do. And no one in L.A. or New York wants to live in central Florida for, you know, six months out of the year. No. This is why, for example, if you think about it, you only had a handful of, of Disney Channel shows. The, the MMC, the new Mickey Mouse Club, Adventures of Wonderland, and Storytime with Belle. That's basically all that was shot at MGM. So... As 89 is fading into 1990, the executives in charge of Disney World Star Theme Park are really scrambling. They're looking for any movie or TV show that's willing to, as you mentioned, to come down to Florida to shoot. Now, where this gets interesting is the syndicated version of Wheel of Fortune, uh, hosted by Pat Sajak and Vanna White and 
They have been doing this show together since 1981. He's been the host of that game show for 41 years, which is impressive, except that Vanna's been doing it for 46. Really? She's been... been Doing that job for forty six years. Forty six years, and and that's amazing. I, and more to the point, somebody needs to find the portrait of Dorian Gray. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because she's she still looks the same. Yeah, that's a little scary. But but okay. So anyway, Wheel of Fortune wow. had shot ten episodes at MGM. Nineteen ninety nine made had already announced plans to return in nineteen ninety. And guests coming to Walt Disney World to the studios really enjoyed watching, sitting on a taping of Wheel of Fortune. So the, the, it made the folks at MGM think, okay, let's see if there's another TV game show that might be willing to be produced at our, our studios. And it turns out, in the same window of time, people are talking about reviving Let's Make a Deal. It had debuted on NBC December of 63. After five years, it moved from the Peacock Network over to ABC. And then from 68... It ran another eight years as part of ABC's weekday morning uh, lineup. Let's make a deal with 60 years old. If you can believe it. I mean, it, it, uh, isn't it Wayne uh, Brady right now who, who's actually hosting the new revival of the show? Yeah, I mean... It, but he but he channels Monty Hall before every show, <laughs> oh, right? Oh, he, goes into a, he goes into a trance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, okay. all right. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Thank you for mentioning Monty Hall, who, by the way, during his run of the show, he was the MC of 4,500 half-hour-long episodes of this game show in the 60s and the 70s. And it had been so popular with TV viewers and had such strong brand recognition that by 89, there had already been two earlier attempts to revive the show, one in 81 and, and a second in 84. But if you think about if you think about um, modern mm-hmm. game shows, a lot of them are variations of the "Let's Make a Deal" thing. What's the one with the suitcases? I, I apologize, I don't watch network TV. What's the one with the with the suitcases? Hmm, that one is not ringing a bell. I, again, a, a lot of the you know the, a lot of the shows that have name recognition have been reinvented. In fact, doesn't Jay Leno do? A version of the Groucho Marx, I've Got a Secret, or, or, or that. Yeah, I mean. I believe it, yeah. Anyway, back to Hall. When they announced in January of 1990, they were going to, a third attempt to revive the show, Hall made it very clear, look, I'm not going to serve as the host of this version. I, you know, I'm going to be a producer. He actually, he goes on to say, okay. I'm looking for new fields to conquer, and I'm committed to finding just the right new host for the show. And... Disney learns this revival's in the works, approaches Hall. By February of 1990, a deal has been struck. Game show will shoot, begin shooting in Florida in June of that same year, and typically will shoot two shows a day, several times a week. Which now brings us to what Disney MGM would do with this 1990 revival of Let's Make a Deal when the show wasn't actually shooting. So they're going to tape two shows a day when they're shooting. Mm -hmm. How many people fit into each show? Well, it's interesting you bring that up because Disney decided because they wanted this game show to be an attraction. They went into soundstage one and created a space where 800 people could sit and watch the show at any one time. Okay, so 1,600 a day for an attraction is still kind of low. Okay, Um, all right. But here's the problem, Len. The original show, as it aired on ABC and NBC in the 60s and the 70s, had, at tops, 200 people at a time. 
And in fact, what was interesting is that there was a, a floor section of about 60 or 80 people, the ones who dressed in crazy costumes that Monty right. would interact with. And the rest of the audience sat, sat up at a second level and brought a certain amount of energy to the room. But it was really kind of an intimate space. Whereas what Disney decided to do, because this was going to be an attraction, they built a two-level set inside of the soundstage space. Which, you think about it, you have to control an audience of 800 people, you have to deal with an 800, you know, or a two-level set. And what does Monty Hall do? He hires Bob Hilton, who is this handsome, affable young man who has literally no experience when it comes to a game show and just basically <laughs> tosses him in the deep end. And, and remember, this is also being shot at Disney MGM and Disney wants to really push the Disney connection. So right. they are ma regularly making Disney costume characters available to like introduce showcases or roll props out on stage or. Oh, you know. really? So here's Goofy with the. Uh, That's with it, exactly. The, with the, and, and, and think, what's behind door number one or whatever. And, and think if you, you're a Bob Hilton, a, a brand new guy to television, and you have your giant set and 800 people and Disney characters upstaging you left and right. It was a disaster. The show starts shooting in early June of 1990, begins airing on NBC in mid-July, and the ratings immediately tank. You know, the <sighs> people look in because, oh, it's it's a new let's make a deal, but it's they're just not connecting with the host. And Monty Hall, who was looking forward to retiring and just staying at home and basically cashing the checks, was now faced with this horrible situation where it's like the host isn't working. And we need an experienced person. And he literally had to, as the producer of the show, fire Bob Hilton and then step in as the host of the show. Oh, really? Money Hall went back to work. Yeah, he went back to work. And <sighs> But by then, the audience had already decided that they'd yeah. sampled the show. They thought, meh, this isn't the let's make a deal I know from my childhood or that sort of thing. And eventually the ratings got so low by early January of 1991, NBC pulls it off of its weekday morning schedule and actually replaces it with a reality show that shows trials around the country. And now Disney is left with a huge set inside of Soundstage 1 that they now have to tear out and throw away. So... Okay, we, we now pivot back to uh, talking about who wants to be a millionaire. And the Imagineers painfully remember the lessons learned from Let's Make a Deal. You know, so it's like, okay, we're not going to make that mistake again. Yet, first of all, you know, what we build now, by the way, in Soundstage 2 and 3 will be a much more intimate experience. By the way, that's the other thing I think we need to point out here is that on the days that Let's Make a Deal was dark, when it wasn't actually mm -hmm. shooting production, Disney would run as many as six different faux performances of Let Make, Let's Make a Deal. They'd, they'd fill the audience, and they'd have cast members sort of sitting in for, for Bob Hilton and, and Monty Hall. And they, they, but they'd give away, you know, Disney plush or T-shirts or that sort of thing. And, it would, you know, it was a fun experience. So the experience that's... The, that Disney had from doing Let's Make a Deal, they then applied to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It. But at the same time, they made the set as identical as they could to the television show. Did you ever see the show? You know, I didn't manage to. Did you? Oh, yeah, a couple times. Okay, yeah. and? It wasn't exactly like 
taping a TV show. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever been to a, a, a taping of a real TV show, there oh, are a couple sure, of sure. Yeah. A, mm-hmm. a couple of things that are vastly different. Mm-hmm. One is um, it's really, really cold mm-hmm. in a regular TV studio <laughs> because of all the lights and all the equipment and yep. the heat mm-hmm. that they generate. So if you go to the Colbert show in the summer, mm-hmm. bring a jacket because it's oh yeah. Well, cold. they they used to talk about when Letterman you know did the, the shows in the old Ed Sullivan Theater. You could hang meat in there. Yeah. It was, it's that cold. Um, and then the second thing is, is you spend a lot of time sitting around waiting for the show to start where people encourage you to laugh mm-hmm. and be boisterous. And there's a little bit of that mm-hmm. in the Disney version in the theme park show, but not as much as in real life, mm-hmm. where there's someone there just encouraging you to be as loud and as enthusiastic mm-hmm. as possible. Yeah. And, and also, uh, let's talk about the, the key difference between the TV show and the one in the park, because you weren't playing for money. You were playing for points. Right. If you know you got through the first couple of sets of questions and you finally got to the thousand dollar thousand point level, well, at that point you got the who wants to play uh, be a billionaire play it baseball cap. At the thirty two thousand point level, you were awarded the polo shirt, and I think also they threw in a, a and again this this really dates this Disney attraction, but you got a copy of the CD-ROM game, Len, mm. you know? So I guess laser discs were already out by then? Okay, all right. And finally, if you made it to the, the million point, a okay, million dollar, million point level, you were awarded a an I am a million point winner black leather jacket, and you were also uh, gifted a trip to New York to see a taping of the actual Who Wants to Be a Millionaire TV show. And wow. what was kind of interesting because the cruise line was also getting going in the same window of time, they would sometimes they'd alternate sometimes that that there were times when no, we're not going to send you to New York, but we are giving you a three day uh, voyage on the Disney Cruise Line. So I was going to say, why didn't they use that to cross promote DCL? Yeah, yeah, that makes, total, that makes total sense. So yeah. that opens as we mentioned. Uh, April 7th of uh, 2021 and is so mm-hmm. popular at MGM that a second version of this attraction is then fast-tracked for Disney's California Adventure Park. In fact, a brand new building, Soundstage 17, is hurriedly thrown together at, in the Hollywood Studios backlot section of the theme park. Right. Yeah, we were just we just saw this. Yeah, yeah. But that's done summer of, of 2001. And the attraction actually opens on September 14th of that year, just three days after 9-11. Yeah. To further trip up the momentum of this attraction, by now, ABC has effectively killed the Golden Goose. Um, yeah, they're, 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 uh, they're showing it yeah, three, four, five nights a week. Everyone gets tired of it pretty fast. It, that's it, exactly. So the audience yeah. is, is wandering away. And then June of 2002, just, what is that, nine months or, or thereabouts? They pulled it off the, the primetime schedule entirely. Now, mind yeah. you, September of that same year, 2002, the syndicated version debuts only with Meredith Vieira as the host rather than Regis Philbin. But it's not the white-hot phenomenon that, that it once was. No, because it's daytime, it's syndicated. Yeah. yeah it's and, not the same thing. And so yeah. the attendance levels begin to droop on, on both the East Coast and the West Coast. And yeah. by August of 2004, the California Adventure, it throws in the towel. They shut their version of... Millionaire Play It and Soundstage 17 is a variety of different things. It was the Olaf Snowfest, and more recently, it's the Superstore featuring Avengers Campus, which means that Soundstage 17 is where you go to buy MCU stuff if the lines are too long inside of Avengers Campus. Whereas in Florida, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It hung in for two years longer, 
It shuttered Mm -hmm. August 2006 so that Stown Stages 2 and 3 could eventually become Toy Story Mania, which opens 21 months later in May of 2008. And... You attended a couple of the presentations of, of... Yeah, never made it into the chair, though. Okay. But do you remember the part of the show where, instead of phone a friend, how they handled... <laughs> it was some random person walking by outside. It was. It like was literally called... commissary or something. Yeah, phone a complete stranger. There was a cast member outside the building who, if you, you needed help, the phone would ring and they would turn to whoever was walking by. You, come here, talk to this phone. That was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. But but they even went further with the gag when Disney Hollywood Studios would do their Star Wars weekends. So you know, that was when, if you attended a taping of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, play it then. It went from phone a complete stranger to ask the Jedi Council. Right, yeah. <laughs> to personally, you know, if it was the one from Phantom Menace, I would love to have had Samuel L. Jackson, you know, provide me with, with some help on a question. We have to have some listeners who actually did make it into the seat, Len, and I have to ask how many of them still have their, what, baseball cap, polo shirt, or or if they're really, really lucky, their leather jacket. So I, th- I think we have a couple of listeners who actually won. Wow. The million point prize. Okay. Okay. Honor. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely recall getting emails from people who were like, oh, yeah, I, I won that when it was in the All right. I, I, I want to hear that story. I want to hear right, that we'll story. We'll hear the stories yeah. then. All right. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. That's going to do it for the show today. You can help support our show and Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.bandcamp.com, where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. Jim and I just recorded a couple of shows in Walt Disney World where we walked around. The Disney Springs area and mm-hmm. the walkway between the TTC and the Grand Floridian. And by the way, Jim, did you notice, I didn't mention in our news segment, mm-hmm. but did you see that Disney announced today that the walkway between Shades of Green and the Grand Floridian is now closed permanently? Are, and we were just there, like literally this last weekend. Wow, man. I, I wish we'd known that. You know, I mean, mind yeah. you, you know, if you walked over there, we probably would have been taken out by official military sentries, but, you know. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, folks, if you want to hear those stories or other things that have never appeared on iTunes, subscribe over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. You can find more of Jim at JimHillMedia.com and more of me, Len, at TouringPlans.com. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be guest singing on Seasons with the group Rain, Light, Fade as part of the Soundgarden Chris Cornell Tribute Show mm-hmm. this coming April 29th, 2023 at The High Dive on North 36th Street in beautiful downtown Seattle, Washington. While Aaron's doing that, please go into iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.